Welcome to Beyond Medicine. My name is Rami Webby. I'm the host of the podcast. I'm a physician with a particular interest in healthcare innovation, building a better healthcare experience, and overall health and well-being. In this podcast, we bring you inspiring leaders from across the medical landscape to help us build a better medicine and lead a better life. We hope you enjoy. All right. Uh, Ruby, welcome to the Beyond Medicine podcast. Pleasure to have you on today. Thank you. I'm so grateful. Delighted I'm really, to be here. And I, I'm so excited for this conversation, Ruby. <laughs> um, I mean, you and I spoke a couple of weeks ago, and it was so much fun to kind of talk about some of the things I really can't kind of connect with with other, you know, physicians or uh, people in my space in particular. So I, I, I really love talking to you, and I'm excited for our listeners to get to hear what you do and, uh, you know, the value that you bring. So I'm going to give you a, a warm welcome here and dive Please, into your, thank you. into your, into your background. So <laughs> let me, let me just take it away for a second. So Ruby Gadelrab is a seasoned commercial health executive who has over 20 years of experience in biotech, healthcare, and health tech industries. Ruby's the CEO and co-founder of M Disrupt, the world's first plaf- platform for connecting fin- clinicians and scientists with digital health companies. In addition to that, Ruby is the CEO of Ruby Consulting Group, which was founded to help companies in the genetics, healthcare, and health tech spaces. Ruby also specializes in genomics, and her last role was to serve on the executive team of 23andMe as the vice president of commercial marketing. Prior to this, she worked for a number of high-profile companies, including Life Technologies, Fmetrics, and Invitae. Ruby, I'm so excited to have you on here. Um, you're a badass in every way possible. We've, I think we've met on Clubhouse before. I we have. You through, through a friend, uh, Dr. Schwartz, after talking to him a little bit about my ideas and, and noticing a market gap with kind of connecting digital health with the physician uh, expertise. And when I mentioned that, he connected me with you. And lo and behold, you were doing everything I knew was missing in the industry. So... Uh, pleasure to have you on here. I'm so excited to kind of, you know, explore this arena a little bit more. Thank you, Rami. It's so uh, wonderful to be here. Thank you for inviting me to talk about some of my favorite topics. And it really was wonderful meeting you two a few weeks ago. I feel like we have uh, lots of shared interests and we see lots of the same things in the market, um, maybe from different sides of it, but we, we are seeing lots of common themes. So I'm really excited to share what we're doing at MDisrupt and, uh, really hope that some of the physicians and the clinicians that listen to you um, are inspired to work with us um, in the digital health industry. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, we did. We did connect on a lot of things. One of that being Knefa. Uh, we did. Oh, yes. We should explain <laughs> what Knefa is. Yes. It's the most delicious for, things. <laughs> uh, for those that are not familiar, it's a, it's a patri- Middle East pastry. It's often eaten during breakfast or you know lunch periods uh it's almost like a, a treat a, a cheese that's baked with some uh breading Milo and, dough on top and, of it and, then and syrup. syrup it's just so really delicious. really delicious <laughs> ruby and we also connected you know about our middle east background um we talked right. a little bit about you know the way you grew up and where you grew up and how you kind of uh ended up here in america now uh working with working in the health tech industry i'd love to i'd love to give everybody a background of ruby and you know where you grew up, how you grew up, and how that played a, a role into shaping who you are. Perfect, thank you, Rami. So I am Egyptian by birth, and I grew up in the UK. 
And I grew up in a family of doctors. My father is an orthopedic surgeon. My mother, before she passed away, was a pediatrician. And then all of my uncles, aunts, siblings are all uh, physicians. Um, so I was surrounded by it. Um, I grew up in that world. Um, I was a black sheep. So I, was, um, I studied molecular biology at university. I was a terrible scientist in the lab. And so they told me, please don't ever get a job in the lab. Please stay away from that space go commercial instead. So that's exactly what I did. I went to the dark side and I was doing a variety of BD roles and uh, sales roles for companies in Europe, um, often as their first employee out of American companies, um, always selling genetics and life sciences tools. And so that was the first 10 years of my career. Um, while I was in the UK, I was uh, the top, salesperson five years in a row for a company and every year I would be the person who would not get the promotion so I would go to my boss every year and say why not me and he'd say Ruby it's not your time yet and after five years of this he eventually said to me Ruby I'm going to tell you what it is but please don't sue us and I said okay he said well no one in the UK is going to give a woman who is 29 brown middle eastern a leadership role in this environment. This is post 9-11, by the way. So wow. he said, if you want that, you need to go to America. So I said, okay, thank you for telling me. That was probably one of the biggest favors anybody had ever done for me. And so I got another job at a company called Affymetrics. And lo and behold, a year later, they transferred me to Silicon Valley, California, where I basically spent the last 14 years of my career. Um, I spent the first eight years doing head of international markets. I lived on a plane. I sold life sciences tools, genetics tools to researchers, and eventually genetics became a clinical product. And so we kind of shifted our focus from just selling to scientists and working with scientists into really the physician era of, um, of genetics. Um, soon after that, I was getting more frustrated because I wanted to see genetics in the hands of more consumers and more physicians. And so I went to a company called Invite and spent a couple of years there. They were a clinical genetic testing company. And then I went to 23andMe. And that was a really, really wonderful experience um, from the perspective of I learned about the consumerization of healthcare. I learned how to build digital health products. And I learned how to do the crossover between what consumers want in their health for, as health products and what physicians and clinicians need to see as a health product is commercialized. So that's my background before I founded MDisrupt. Mm, beautiful. And I, I'm really curious about your past working with 23andMe as, the, as um, an executive there. And you know, what is it about marketing or what is it about getting a product out there into the world that you are particularly skilled at doing? Because you know, I, for me, thinking of 23andMe, it's like one of the easiest brands to remember. And you think of it and you know exactly what it is. And I, I, I have to assume that you've played somewhat of a role in that. <laughs> I wish I could say I did. I was on the B2B side. So I did 23andMe for physicians, 23andMe for research, 23andMe for uh, business partners. That being said, I will say one of the things that I think 23andMe did really beautifully, as you said, is they took something really complicated like genetics and they made it into a really simple to understand experience. And they engage consumers in a different way to how healthcare 
systems or the healthcare incumbents engage consumers. Their consumers are engaged, they understand the uh, product, they understand the implications of it, um, and they they're highly uh, motivated to participate in research. And so 23andMe for me was one of the examples of how healthcare can potentially be improved if we improve access, convenience, simplicity, and transparency. Um, I like to think of 23andMe as a, and it's not just 23andMe, now there's all kinds of at-home lab testing products, but what those companies in digital health will do is they make a much better healthcare experience for patients and for consumers, when you can have a product delivered to you in your home and you don't have to go into a lab, when a report is beautifully presented to you in a way that you can really understand it and have a discussion with your family or with your um, healthcare practitioner. And so that's the lesson, the, the big lesson from 23andMe and many of the other companies that I've worked with is really around making an engaging patient experience. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And, uh, you know, for me, when I, you know, I never got around to doing 23andMe, but when I would, you know, my one of my cousins had done it, I had saw like all the detailed information that was in there and the way it was laid out. And I, and I was like, I remember thinking to myself, man, there's really something here. This is like, there's something interesting about learning about yourself, discovering something about yourself and in and, and a way through the back to the, I mean, the platform was easy to use. It was really plain and in and, and English and, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, something had clicked for me and I thought, wow, this is great. Um, Think about how that could apply to all of healthcare. Think about how a patient or a consumer can go online, find a trusted, reputable evidence-based product, order mm -hmm. it themselves. They know how much it costs. There's price transparency there. The communication of it is really, really simple um and they use that as a way to engage in conversations with their healthcare providers so think about if we could apply that to other aspects of healthcare what we could actually do oh i'm, I'm amazing because i'm sure and it's so interesting because you think of how archaic our healthcare system is in terms of technology it's 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 remarkable because we don't have innovative companies actually inside of the healthcare system able to build these products and uh, create price transparency and really focus on innovative things for patients you know we're stuck you know we're always lagging 10 years behind but it, it, there's never there you know right now there are portals there are ways to access your labs or things like that so we're starting to get there but it'll be interesting to see if if there ever is a time where you have a really great product that shows you your health parameters, that shows you uh, graphs and shows you trends and allows you to track your health in a fun and engaging way that makes you want to be a participant. Exactly. And, and I think that's what 23andMe did really well, just from my brief interactions with it. And I love that you say that, Rami, because um, I was just thinking about this over the last few days of, as I've been speaking to some of our clients, but we're at a point in healthcare where innovation isn't an option, it's a necessity. And the innovation is required across all aspects of healthcare, the products, the practices, the delivery, the business models, and the mindsets. And I really do feel that healthcare is at an inflection point when you think about what would healthcare, what would the healthcare system of the future look like? And I think part of what it looks like is that we um, don't just take care of people when they are sick in the walls of a hospital. We start to take 
people maintaining their health where they live and where they work outside of the walls of the hospital and i always think about um healthcare being maybe like banking is today like we used to go into a brick and mortar bank to do all of our you know financial transactions and now when was the last time you walked into a brick and mortar bank everything now is you know digital and remote and i imagine healthcare being the same um 10 years from now the majority of healthcare services will be digital they'll be virtual they'll be remote and people will come into the brick and mortar hospitals only in exceptional circumstances such as surgeries i know that's provocative and i know that not all doctors will agree with me but i think that there's a huge place for the um clinicians of the future to play a role in that oh absolutely 100 i i've talked to i truly think that hospitals are going to have a really hard time hiring doctors right now because of all these amazing telemedicine companies that are coming out and you know creating this new lifestyle for doctors where you can work three four days a week work it's so much easier to work with doing telemedicine than you seeing patients in person because you can finish your notes at the same time that you're seeing a patient um it's really really attractive and i really think it's going to be hard for hospitals even to compete with some of these private digital health companies and i think the the goal of a successful digital health product improves the patient experience and health outcome, improves the physician experience. And to your point, a lot of these technologies are enabling a new medical lifestyle for physicians, right? Mm -hmm. To your point. And it's not just medicine. It's, well, what if you could get, send your um, patients an A1C test to their home, and then when they come in, they're just discussing the results with you rather than having an appointment to discuss the A1C test. Then the patient has to go to the lab to get the A1C test. And then they have to come in for a second appointment uh -huh. to discuss the results with you. Right. So what if we could like, you know, shorten that process and, and make more of a, you know, clinician's time. And I think that would be one of the ways. And then the other, so you talked about telemedicine. I talked about at home lab testing. And then the other way to think about it is also, remote patient monitoring, that's a huge theme, right? And what if you could, you as a physician could be taking care of your patients, you know, whether again, where they live and where they work, you have the data that you need in front of you and it's sensible clinical data, not nonsense data, that's actually helps you take care of the patient and make the right treatment adjustments. Yeah, it's crazy. This uh, technology is gonna make our current system just seem so archaic. Uh, <laughs> Like I, sometimes I need like three or four visits. You know, if you're going to see 30 patients in a day, you got, you know, 10, 15 minute visits and you have, you know, you gotta, you see the patient, you order all the labs and then the labs come back and there's just a billion things wrong with the labs that you need to address. And obviously, and then you need to schedule another appointment and see the patient and go through each one. Sometimes you can't go through everything, get the right medications picked out. That that's like a three appointment process right there, and it's that's an expense. That's an, a huge expense on the healthcare system as well. It is, and I also uh, I feel I feel for the current physicians in the current environment. Like the time with a patient is so so limited, and there's so much to do. And you know, I when I talk to digital health companies, they are shocked to learn. That health systems still use fax machines right <laughs> but the, i mean these are some of the most basic things um and so i think in the future there will be those technologies that make it more efficient and a, and a really a better experience for the patient and for the consumer and to your point 
I think we will look back on our current healthcare system and think, oh my goodness, what were we doing, right? Because the technology exists, it's just how to implement it sensibly and safely and in a way where all the different stakeholders in the health system can come on board with it. Um, I, as we know, the, the healthcare system in the US particularly is very, very complicated and there's so many stakeholders with so many different incentives. And I think, you know, the companies that will do best in the future are those who have evidence behind them and have a way to satisfy all the different stakeholders in the health systems. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I want to segue now into how MDisrupt came to be and where this growing need you saw came from. Um, and I'd love to dive a little bit into that and then kind of mm -hmm. dive in further. <laughs> Happy to. So I, after I left 23andMe, I consulted for 25 digital health companies back to back in, a, in about a two and a half year period. And I discovered that all the digital health companies were suffering from the same three pain points. And the pain points were around how do I connect to the right healthcare people that can help me build my product? How can I connect to the earliest clinical users of my product? And how can I um, generate evidence quickly? So when you're talking to you know, clinicians, scientists, physicians, they're some of the most skeptical audiences and rightly so, right? Uh, the, the stakes in healthcare are so much higher and you need evidence and data to prove that the product works, the product is safe, the product is effective, the product is cost effective. Um, and so that bar is so much higher and so what I did, what I realized was we needed to build a company that could connect the right scientists, the right physicians, the right healthcare expert operators to these digital health companies so that we can help them get their products to market quickly and responsibly. Um, I will say that we founded MDisrupt in the wake of a little company called Theranos, and we were super frustrated with the fact that, you know, Theranos had had so much money um and all the medical claims they were making were so uh crazy and so we decided you know what we need to make sure that there's the right clinical people scientific people in those companies and that's basically what we do um what i will say is in founding mdisrupt i've spoken to so many clinicians over the last two years and i've discovered that there is a new breed of clinician and they're kind of like you, Rami, they're your kind of phenotype. They're um, earlier in their careers, they're frustrated with the incumbent health system. They love technology and they have a desire to participate in the digital transformation of medicine. And those people, I've named them clinical technology opinion leaders, but those people I believe are the ones who hold the power to disrupt the healthcare system from within. Um, and so what MDisrupt does is we're trying to identify who those people are and create a bridge between them and the digital health companies. Yes, yes. And I am happy to announce I'm now officially an MD disruptor. And Yay. I am <laughs> part of the consulting team with you guys, which I'm very excited to. You are. We're delighted to have you, Rami. And it's it's so much fun and it's uh, an it's exciting space and I, I think you're spot on that there is a phenotype with certain um, with certain doctors that have this futuristic uh, part to their personality where they can see the future of where medicine is going and they are innovative and they can 
be a part of this process that helps create, that helps digital health companies actually create good products. And what I think, what I think a lot of physicians know is that they see a company and they say, okay, this company is creating this thing. And, you know, I have all of this experience and the background and the in the field that they are trying to create a product for. Mm -hmm. So I see this company and they're building this thing. And I say, wait a minute, your product is good, but you're going about doing this the wrong way. You're not going to get physicians to engage with your product unless you actually, you know, do this, this, and that. Or I can see your product working, but for to really work for patients, you'd have to make this, this, this adjustment. Mm -hmm. And that's something I did earlier in the year working with, uh, with a messaging platform because I saw the way that it could really be helpful for physicians to use the product, but I also knew that they were still, they hadn't really gotten it to the point where it would be easy and adoptable for a physician to use and then for yes. their patients to actually use as well. And this is where I think physicians really can excel with, with, with companies. And I 100% agree with that ethos. And, you know, if we deconstruct that a little bit in tech, the mantra is go fast and break things. You release an MVP and you iterate with the MVP over time until you have all the features that you need. So mantra in tech is go fast and break things. In mm -hmm. healthcare, the mantra is do no harm right? Yeah. Um, and so how do we take those two opposing views and put them together? And at MDisrupt, our mantra is go fast responsibly. And uh, how do we go fast responsibly? We do it by getting these amazing digital health technologies and innovators and putting them together with these clinical technology opinion leaders, as I call them. And to your point, when you have those people engaged early and often in the process, we will make better health products. because Why? Because physicians understand what the problems are from the front line. They understand the clinical workflows and how a product has to fit into a clinical workflow. They understand how a patient is going to react to it. They understand how it needs to work in their clinic, in their practice. And those are things that are super important for the digital health companies to know if they expect widespread adoption from you know, a physician or a provider. Um, and I think, in my opinion, when we put tech folks and clinical folks together, that is where we have the best potential for disrupting healthcare faster yeah. and more responsibly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's so, it's, it's really interesting because it's almost not so much even the clinical experience. It, it's partially the clinical experience, but it's almost uh, just the experience of going into work every day and meeting so many people. It's like you almost learn the culture of your patient population and their mm -hmm. barriers and the barriers to entry for that population just through random conversations, through understanding their problems, through understanding, you know, uh, the, the jobs they work, the environment they work in. And, 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 a, and a lot of that experience is almost intuitive to physicians because they're just in it every single day. And, and it's something they build up over time. And yeah. I was just going to say, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book where he said, an expert in anything is somebody who's done 10,000 hours of it. And by the time you've done 10,000 hours of it, you've learned the pattern recognition. So to your point, it's intuitive to physicians that 
you need to have this feature and not that feature because you've seen it so many times, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's the sort of thing that is very hard um, in digital health to capture, right? Unless you have those people sitting on your teams. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is something that there, there is almost an education process for this because I think a lot of uh, this, not, uh, I think a lot of tech people in general, they know that it's good to have, you know, a non-technical founder or somebody that is on the team that understands maybe the industry of what they're teaming up on. Um, and sometimes it's not so obvious to companies, like you really have to be able to pitch your value to make them understand that, look, you need us. You need, you need our, you, yeah, I know it looks obvious to you that this is the solution. You guys have this, but trust me, you will benefit from me, like taking this product, analyzing it and making it better for you. And sometimes I think that is a hard, I think that is hard to kind of get the, the digital health and tech world to maybe understand. I think they are understandable of that, but the, the, the value isn't so obvious to a, to a lot of these companies. And I think that's, it's true. And it is really interesting you say that because I always think about the pharma industry, which is the traditional, you know, commercial side of healthcare. The pharma industry, you would never make a drug without chemists. How do you make drugs without chemists? You can't. And so in healthcare, how can you make healthcare products without healthcare experts with a seat at the table? Um, I think that the, the issue is that a lot of the founders come from non-healthcare backgrounds and they understand that and many of the founders, you know, even including myself, we've had our own healthcare experiences that drive us to want to build a better healthcare system. And I think the way that we need to think about this is it's now, healthcare is never going to be disrupted from the outside. Healthcare needs technology and talent and money from the outside and it needs those clinical technology opinion leaders who are on the inside right mm -hmm. you can only disrupt from within healthcare is so so difficult as an industry because of how, how it's regulated because of how it's paid for because of the amount of evidence you need to generate in it mm -hmm. and it has to be a partnership of who's in the healthcare system today that sees the vision and wants to participate and who's outside of the healthcare system that has the technology um, and the ability to change. And it's that partnership that I think makes the difference. Yeah. What do you think Ruby of the adoption of physicians? I guess when I look at companies that have done well, or maybe that are doing well, um, or could do well. I think of maybe companies that have gotten almost gotten into the community of the of healthcare. They've you really have immersed. To. Yeah, they've adopted enough physicians. They've grown a community, and that adoptability by the actual healthcare providers creates a little bit of a market. And and I think like Doximity, I think did a good job of this. They they got a lot of physicians to participate with their app, and now they have something to go off of. You know, I, I I don't know I don't know the financial side of things with Doximity, or I don't know much about Doximity at all. But I do know they've captured the doctors, and that's the most important part because the late the rate limiting step here, in in my opinion, is, or the rate limiting factor would be who is going to see all the patients, even if you build the greatest tech product in the country, if you don't have the clinicians to see the patients, or unless in the future, at some point, there's an AI or something that gets mm -hmm. approved and can see just patients autonomously, then, okay, they, that's another front. But I think the physician adoption is really a, a key factor. 
So again, let's unpack that a bit. We talked about physicians playing a role in building health products, but that's only in the very beginning. The next piece where physicians can play and and I'll extend this not just to physicians but clinicians in generally because Uh also pharmacists and nurse practitioners and genetic counselors but um the the next place where clinicians can play a role is in engagement of the community and building the community so there's many companies hire medical affairs teams and that is their job their job is to generate the evidence and to build the community of um of the first users and that's a really really important role rami to your point companies that do well um are the companies that have built strong communities around them and i'll tell you what clinicians don't like to listen who clinicians don't like to listen to they don't like to listen to marketers they like to listen to other clinicians. Um, they like to listen to you know their medical societies and their guidelines, and they like other clinicians. And that use of clinicians to educate other clinicians is, in my mind, and part of what I've been doing for the last 20 years, um, how do we activate the right clinicians to educate the other clinicians? Because that is how you get widespread adoption of any health technology. And dr- um, Pharma and device companies have been doing this for decades. This is a formula. You hire a medical affairs team, you hire medical science liaison folks, you put them out into uh, the community to work directly with the with the users, in this case, scientists and physicians. So this is why I think it's super, super important. And you're right, companies like Doximity did well by activating uh, clinical communities. and. I would say to any digital health company, that is one of the biggest keys to success. In fact, we've got a webinar next Tuesday, I believe, on why chief medical officers are the key to widespread adoption of digital health. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. We'll link that. We'll try to link that in the in the show notes here when this podcast comes out. Um, and I want to now address the elephant in the room here. And Ruby, how is... How is it that you built these companies? Like, how did you amass this number one amazing successful career? And how did you build MG Disrupt? How did you build these companies? Like, how how have you been able to do all of this? I, I'd love to just know from a personal standpoint, like what it's taken to get to where you are right now. I wish I could tell you it was pure skill and that I knew what I was doing on day one, and but neither of those things is true. I will say when I founded MDisrupt, it was we had a vision, right? We had a vision of how the world should be. And then I was interviewing Dr. Shantanu Nandi on Clubhouse a few weeks ago, and he told me healthcare moves at the speed of trust. And I really, really believe that. And I think what's been wonderful in building MDisrupt is we met people who believe what we believe. And we believe that digital health is going to disrupt healthcare, but it needs to be done quickly and responsibly. And how how we do it is by combining the best of tech and the best of medicine, put those folks together. And so when we first launched, um, Christy Farr had written an article on us in CNBC and I woke up that morning and I literally had 500 um, people try to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, many of them were physicians and, and, and clinicians and genetic counselors and nurse practitioners and they all told me, how do we help? How do we help the digital health companies? And so I started to interview them all and this is where I discovered this new breed of clinician that's really technology driven that wants to participate in the disruption of healthcare. 
And it's at that point that I realized that what we have to build is almost like a marketplace so that these clinicians can have like a side gig. And part of the side gig is how do I engage with digital health companies? And I will say that it's been more organic and luck than skill and a strategy, although now we're trying to operationalize everything. Um, we've built trust with over 40 digital health clients now. We have over 200 uh, experts, including 60 medical doctors, I want to say at this point. Um, and we've just been so humbled that people have trusted us with their, their problems and that the expert side have trusted us to help find them the right companies to work with. And we're excited about the future because we do believe that the future of healthcare is that combination. Love it. Let's let's really add some. I know this is the question every doctor or clinician wants to hear: is how in the world do I get started in digital health or working as an advisor, working as a mm -hmm. consultant? And I know that just uh, posting on a Facebook group with a few doctors that when I had talked about my experience, I had a really overwhelming response from doctors wanting to learn how I got started and what I did, and I was really I really made me think, wow, like there are doctors really want to do this kind of stuff and really want uh, kind of a seat at the table when it comes to creating, creating technologies and working as an advisor or consultant role. And so what would you tell doctors who are interested in this type of work in their particular specialty to, you know, how would they get started in this? So the first thing I would say is please, please, please participate. The digital health industry needs you. You are the gateway to the disruption of healthcare and please come in and, and, and start thinking about how you can engage. There's different ways to engage. Um, the lightest way is to, you know, on the side of your clinical work, become a medical advisor for some of these companies like you're describing. And so this can be, you know, eight to 10 hours a month when a company is trying to build a product in a particular clinical specialty and they want to make sure that they're representing the voice of their end consumer. Um, the second piece is that you, if you, I've seen many, many clinicians start to take full-time roles in um, digital health companies. And these are often roles in medical affairs where they represent the voice of the clinician and the voice of the patient inside and outside of the company. And they're involved in generating the data and engaging the clinical community. So that's kind of the second piece is medical affairs roles. The third piece is you could become a chief medical officer where you are responsible for all of the medical functions within a company um, that does encompass medical affairs. And then the fourth way is start your own companies. There is nothing wrong with physicians who understand the problem deeply starting their own companies. And I think there's a new rise of physician entrepreneurs um, where they want to solve problems that they've seen every day in their clinical practice. And I think in the investment community, there's more and more uh, physicians who are investing, but also investors who want to invest in physician entrepreneurs. And so there's many, many ways to participate. I will do a a quick shout out, if you do need that help, we're happy to help you at MDisrupt, please come and join us. Um, but there are many different levels and there is so much value that clinicians can bring into the digital health world. Absolutely, I love it. Um, do, you, do you believe that in particular parts of the country that it's you know easier to do this kind of thing rather than in other parts of the country? 
if you'd have asked me that prior to the pandemic, I would have said, yes, it's way easier to do it on the coasts and the big cities. But post-pandemic, I think anyone who has clinical expertise can participate in this. Um, mm -hmm. And I say that because we've built MDisrupt through the pandemic. We have done 4,651 expert consulting days through the pandemic with everybody being remotely, uh, remote. So I think it's uh, anyone, any clinician can participate. And the other thing that I will say is clinicians who live outside of the big cities and away from the academic medical centers are particularly important. And they're particularly important because most of healthcare is treated in the community. And we need community clinicians to be involved in this. Otherwise, most of the solutions we build will not work when they're translated into community medicine. So I would actively encourage community clinicians to, to, to take a role in this. It's, they're so, so important. Right. And what would be a what would be a good first step? I guess I guess when I've been asked this question, I've often said, you know, a lot of the times it's not always particularly what you know as far as medical evidence or you know your it's not your medical knowledge base. It's partly you, you're kind of like you like you said your phenotype and a little bit of you know are you willing to find to seek out people who are look who are building these companies and doing these kinds of things. So. Uh, it, it is often who you know, and it is often uh, if you can get connected with more individuals in the tech space, someone will connect you with someone. And it's usually the way, I, from what I've seen, the way these things kind of work. 100%. It's all about the networking, um, yeah. networking with other clinicians and networking with companies. And also, I see a lot of um, investors starting to seek out clinicians to advise them on some of their investments as well. So I do think it's about finding um, a community, people like you. Um, I think you, Rami, are a great example of this because you are great at talking to people and are great at finding the innovators and creating network and platform for them. Um, that's one of the ways. And then the other thing is like go to meetups, um, talk with companies where you're actually using their products and you like them. So every day in your clinical life, you are using products today. Go seek out the companies where you're already using those products and start to seek out their medical affairs teams. Um, that is a very nice, easy way in because those companies are looking for you and they want to participate. The other thing I will say is a lot of digital health companies want to engage clinicians to use and test their products. And that's something that we're about to launch at MDisrupt can really help those good digital health companies that have post-market products find the clinicians that they need to test their products. Um, but yes, it's all about building the community. Absolutely. Amazing. And I, I'm so excited to see the future of, of all of this. And I think Ruby, you're in such an amazing space right now. And um, I'm inspired by the way you've you've kind of built your company and the knowledge. I know we, you and I have talked a little bit off camera yeah. about more nuanced subjects of like, how do you build a team? What's the right, you know, how do, what goes into building a team and how do you market effectively and all of these things. And I, I, I love, I love how knowledgeable and humble you are about <laughs> like, it, it, I know you're playing this all down and build, but building a company like I'm disrupt is no easy task. You know, it's, it's not, it's not just like, 
it's not, you know, something you just brush off. Like it's, it's, it's a big deal, Ruby. It's not easy. You're 100% <laughs> right. It's not easy. None of this has been easy. But what I will say, and I think you raised an amazing point there, Rami, the, the number one thing about building any company is the people you surround yourself with. I am not a doctor. I don't profess to be. And we have surrounded ourselves with amazing clinicians. And my team at MDisrupt is incredible. So my co-founder is a PhD health economist who understands how healthcare gets paid for. Our chief commercial officer is somebody who's worked in pharma and device for you know, over 20 years and really understands the commercialization process. Our VP of marketing um, has been you know, marketing to doctors her entire career. And so the people that you surround yourself with are literally, the, I think they're the keys to the kingdom. Um, our advisors, we have one of our advisors, is the chief clinical officer of Walgreens, Chet Robson. He's incredible. He's literally like the clinical brain of the company. Um, and that's, like I say, I surround myself with everybody who can fill in my knowledge gaps and my experience gaps. And there's a lot of them. So I've just been tremendously lucky to find those people. And how do you, how do you, I guess, how do you bring on people? Like, how do you bring on such amazing talent onto your team? And this is more of a personal question. For yeah, me, really. no, <laughs> no it's, it's a great question. Um, many of the folks are people who believe what we believe. We put out a really right. strong mission. The digital health needs to be fast and responsible so we can make an impact. And that message resonated with some people. We have one lady, she studied medicine and then she just did an MBA and then she did a master's in data analytics. She's literally been pestering me for a job for the last six months. And I looked at her and I said, somebody that qualified and that tenacious needs to work in our company. She's so passionate. Um, and so it's about putting out a point of view that people can relate to and that you really, truly believe in. So that's one part. The second part is some of the folks are folks that I've worked with before. There's trust. I know what, uh, what they can do. And, you know, when I came to build the company, I said, I need some help who can help me. And these are the folks that came to the table and they have been incredible. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. Um, Amazing. Thank you so much, Ruby. I've had such a awesome time talking with you on this podcast. I know that our physicians in our community on beyond medicine is going to really like this episode. And we're definitely going to be dropping some notes in the show notes uh, that will help you will help clinicians connect with them, disrupt and connect with you, Ruby, as well. Um, where, where can everyone find you and where would you direct everyone to learn more about Undisrupted and yourself? You can find us at mdisrupt.com. That's M-D-I-S-R-U-P-T.com. But before I sign off, I want to say a huge, huge thank you to all of the clinicians out there. I know the last two years have been particularly hard on everybody. And myself, my company, we're so, so grateful for what you've done through the pandemic. And we're so excited about what you guys can do in the future through this digital health revolution. Thank you so much, Ruby. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Would love to have you back anytime. You're always welcome. And uh, love we'll to come back, we'll Rami. Thank you. Soon. <laughs> and thank you for what you do, Rami. We really appreciate it. Education is the key to this. And I love that you're creating all these educational podcasts with amazing, amazing um, technologists and innovators. Thank you, Ruby.